Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. You got rhythm, Caroline? (laughs) No. (laughs) Me neither. Not at all. Uh, Well, we are going to talk about the rhythm method today. Is that dancing? Um, It is. It's sexing. Not to be confused with sexting. (laughs) It's actually doing the sex. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, with a metronome on <laughs> the bedside table. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a method that people employ to either help get pregnant faster, more efficiently, or to prevent pregnancy in a natural way that has nothing to do with hormones or devices. Yes, uh, the rhythm method is also known as the calendar method and sometimes referred to as periodic abstinence if you are trying to not get pregnant. Um, and, but it is, it, it's similar to some other natural family planning techniques that you might have heard of, though. Yeah. It's not exactly the same as natural family planning. And, uh, AmericanPregnancy.org broke it down. Uh, they said that natural family planning is a collection of methods using your body's natural and normal functioning to determine the days of the month you're most likely to get pregnant. It's also known as fertility awareness, symptothermal method, ovulation method, or billings method. And uh, looking at the symptothermal method in particular, that actually combines a couple of different ways of doing natural birth control, quote unquote. So they use the temperature method, the cervical mucus method, and the rhythm slash calendar method to combine into one giant track your body adventure. And these kinds of natural family planning methods um, are popular for um, a lot of women because they don't involve any hormonal drugs or any kinds of devices like an IUD that you would have um, inserted inside of you that you leave in there. Um, and studies have found that when they are practiced perfectly... Okay, this is, we're talking perfectly. It's like the, you know, when you hear about the birth control, like taking birth control pills, it is 98% effective when you take that pill every day at the same time. That's perfect use, not typical use. Uh, so the, the perfect use for this, according to, um, a, a 2007 German study, this was with the symptothermal method, leads to an unintended pregnancy rate of only 0.6%. And so that seems, wow, that, that seems great. You don't have to pay for anything. All you have to do is get with your partner and make sure that you are each keeping track of your, well, first you have to calculate your menstrual cycles and keep track of them for about 12 months. Keep an eye on that cervical mucus. Keep your, you know, your basal body temperature in check. It's a, okay. What I'm trying it's to say, lot. it's a lot more work than, than popping a pill every month. But nevertheless, because it's not popping a pill, it is worth it for some women. But for just the straight up rhythm method, what are we talking about, Caroline? So this is when the woman tracks her menstrual history, like you said, for 12 or so months. Depends. Some people just do it for half a year. Uh, so they track the menstrual history to predict when she will ovulate to help determine when she's most likely to conceive. 
And this helps you determine the best days to have sex to get pregnant or the best days to have sex to not get pregnant. Yeah, and because uh, a lot of women will have irregular cycles that some will last longer than others. Ladies, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, you, you want to have, like you said, some, Caroline, some people will just track their menstrual cycles for six months. You probably want to do that for, and this is coming from the Mayo Clinic, for closer to a year uh, because of those varying lengths. And so once you have collected all of that data, you then do some adding and subtracting to determine the longest menstrual cycle and the shortest menstrual cycle and the window of time between that, which could be a couple of weeks out of the month. Uh, but it involves doing math. That's your... <laughs> Says the journalism major. Yes. Like you have to, you have to find the length of your shortest menstrual cycle and subtract 18. That's the first fertile day of your cycle. Then you have to find the length of your longest menstrual cycle and subtract 11 from the total number of days. Uh, and that's the last fertile day of your cycle. And I'm not going to go into the math any more than that because I would confuse myself and I would confuse our dear listeners. There's probably, I'm going to guess that there's an app for this. <laughs> yes, and actually I was talking to a woman not long ago who I brought up the rhythm method because I just can't help talking about had the it, podcast. It's all I have on to the talk brain. About. Yeah. Um and she she actually uh used it and she was very excited. I, I wish I could remember and maybe a listener can fill me in. But she was uh, very excited about this calendar she bought that in the back of it had like all of these different calendars for women consumers of that calendar to track their menstrual cycles. Yeah, and that would be, I could see how it'd be really, uh, I don't know, kind of cool maybe to get that in touch with your body. But it does take a lot of of work and a lot of upkeep and a lot of abstinence, which can be frustrating for couples and is a reason why it's not always, one reason why it's not always so foolproof right but um even though the uh the rhythm method might not be like as popular today it was a first and significant step toward family planning when it was developed by dr john rock who was a catholic doctor who thought that parents should have more resources for plan- uh, family planning and him being a catholic doctor in particular is significant because a lot of times the uh, the rhythm method is referred to as the vatican roulette um because uh by and we'll get into this in more detail uh the catholic church's official stance on family planning is that you need to go all natural. But back to Dr. Rock. Yeah, Rock uh, was very passionate, actually, about the notion that women should have control over their own reproductive systems. And as as a Roman Catholic, he said, you know, you should have as many children as you have the means to support, but women should have the power to stop expanding their families. He actually founded the Rhythm Clinic in 1936 at the Free Hospital for women, which is now Brigham and Women's Hospital. And he would hand out, you know, I say hand out, I, you know, being frivolous. He would give patients a scientific prediction dial. 
Yeah, um, uh, over at Harvard Magazine, they have an image of this uh, 1944 rhythm meter, which was almost like a, it's a combination, like, like ab- it reminded me of like of a of the most complicated like abacus you could think of. It had like a dial with a chart with a calendar. Uh, I think that you needed a PhD from Harvard to understand the rhythm meter. Um, but really, at the time in 1944, the rhythm method was the only like legal form of birth control in Massachusetts. So you had to you know get in there and do it. But then um, in the early 50s. Dr. Rock's clinic conducted the first trials of hormone-based contraception that would later be branded as Enovid. Uh, podcast all-star listeners out there, you probably know that is the name brand of the first FDA-approved birth control pill available in the United States. Yeah, going back a little bit, this is uh, writer Paul Viterbo in the journal Endeavor from March 2004, who wrote, what was the great title of the article? I got rhythm. Gershwin and birth control in the 1930s, which officially is maybe my favorite study title that I've ever run across. Do you want to hear a little bit of the abstract? Please. Okay. Because uh, I couldn't find the full text and I was very disappointed. Uh, he writes, Gershwin's song, I Got Rhythm, serves here as a backdrop representing the social context of the interwar years. On center stage is a particular aspect of the history of birth control, the ap- application of a new theory of ovulation and contraception. Uh, for a short period, women could join Ethel Merman in the ref- I got rhythm. I got my man who could ask for anything more. But the rhythm method has not lived to its (laughs) promise. And the play goes on. Yeah, uh, he writes that starting in 1928, experiments finally revealed a biochemical rhythm in women's reproductive cycle, which contradicted the idea that ovulation and pregnancy could occur at any time. Prior to this, most people kind of misunderstood ovulation and when it happened. Uh, this is coming from Case Western Reserve University. By studying animal behavior, researchers thought women were safe from pregnancy at the midpoint of their menstrual cycle, which is, in fact, when most women are most likely to conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, get the, we get the rhythm method, and even though it, that's only the starting point, like one, one step along the way to developing um, hormonal contraception, it sticks around, particularly in the Catholic community. And I feel like we need to talk about that because it is, it's a, a very a pertinent point. Um, and I am, I am not a Catholic and wanted to know specifically why the rhythm method is closely associated with Catholicism and the church's position on birth control uh, relates directly to Pope Paul VI. Six, 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 six. Uh, 1968 Humani Vitae, in which he said that contraception was, quote, intrinsically wrong. And uh, that was from Timothy Egan writing about it in the New York Times. But uh, if you look at surveys now of uh, birth control methods practiced among American Catholics um, and also just opinion polls uh, among Catholics regarding birth control, a majority of them now say that the church's position is a bit outdated. And in addition, uh, a Guttmacher Institute survey found that 98% of sexually active Catholic women have used a birth control other than the rhythm method. Yeah. Because even um, like when they're talking about contraception being intrinsically wrong, that includes even condoms. Mm-hmm. 
Well, one Catholic woman who is very, very pro-rhythm method, this is Anne Green over at uscatholic.org. She wrote a, a really long piece about her own involvement in uh, when she and her husband were about to get married. They had counseling and they learned about the rhythm method. And like now they're crazy about it and they teach other couples about that method. And she wrote that in addition to church approval, Mike and I appreciate the health aspects of natural family planning. And like we said, that kind of encompasses a lot of methods, right? That not is, just the rhythm method. Right. That's distinct from the, the rhythm method before people start furiously yeah. typing. Yeah, exactly. Um, she said, more people hold their food up to close scrutiny. Is it organic or natural? In the same spirit, women who practice natural family planning do not ingest artificial hormones containing possibly toxic ingredients manufactured in an unknown pharmaceutical plant. Yeah, and I and I can completely understand that motivation, and and also uh, didn't mean to imply earlier that um, Catholic all Catholic women have just you know thrown the uh, Pope Paul VI's advice out the window. There's still plenty of women who Catholic women, especially who prefer to uh, stick with the rhythm method or natural family planning or similar forms of birth control. Um, but when it comes to just the rhythm method itself of tracking. The menstrual cycle and paying attention to the calendar, not the whole, all the stuff with the body temperature and the cervical mucus. Uh, there are some low lights to those free and natural highlights. For instance, the, the, the birth rate resulting out from the rhythm method is not very impressive. Uh, with typical use, 13 to 25 women out of 100 will get pregnant via rhythm method in a year. Yeah, and that's, I mean, specifying that's unintended pregnancy. That's not using it to get pregnant. Right. Um, and also, of course, uh, the rhythm method does not protect, because it's not a barrier method, it does not protect against STDs, STIs, and the like. So if you are not in a committed monogamous relationship, uh, the rhythm method should certainly not stand Alone, right? What I'm saying is, if you, to read between those lines, I'm saying use condoms, people. So that led to maybe the ultimate question here regarding the rhythm method is not so much whether or not it is effective, um, but whether or not it is really just the relic of a bygone era of birth control before hormonal birth control and contraception was legal in the United States. Because according to statistics from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, the rhythm method use among women 15 to 44 years old who have ever had intercourse, this is from 2006 to 2008, uh, the percent of women who had ever used it, 19.4%, but the percent of women who are currently using the rhythm method, only 0.5%. Yeah, very, very low occurrence of that, but people relying on it. But then uh, there was a report, this is also coming from CDC statistics, if you narrow that population down to younger women, the rhythm method might be becoming more popular. 
Yeah, according to the CDC, 17% of teenage girls said they used the rhythm method, up from 11% reported in a 2002 survey. But nevertheless, condoms, withdrawal, and birth control pills were more popular, or I should say are more popular among sexually active teens. But for that age group, I think it's still a call to or a sign that we need more comprehensive sex education, especially in the United States, because the rhythm method isn't protecting, again, it's not protecting against STIs. It's a, it, it, to me, it is a signal that we are thinking exclusively about pregnancy risk yeah. and not about the um, more dire, I would say, uh, STI risk. Yeah. Not to say that like unintended pregnancy is just like a moot point, but you know what I mean. Like the you can't you can't forget about the other one as well and call it call it a day. Yeah. Well, plus I mean, okay, not to trivialize this, but do you remember being a teenager? Did you have time to like track your menstrual cycle on a calendar? No. Every day, every week, every month. My mother would get mad at me every day because I would come home and instead of having a calendar, I used my hand yeah. in a sharpie, yep. and it was just covered in things. She thought it was incredibly unlikely. Like, uh, so, but I, I mean, I guess you could keep your your menstrual cycle on your hand if you <laughs> would want to. Just, do that. just wear white gloves over it, <laughs> yeah. dainty white gloves. But again, there's probably an app for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, in terms of effectiveness, though, the rhythm method is really uh, not where it's at. But more um, intensive natural family planning methods, the symptothermal method, those have had higher rates of success. But again, that's with perfect use. You've got to look at when you're looking at, um, if you are deciding a type of natural family planning, be sure to look at study methodologies and see if it's a typical use. Because folks... Humans are forgetful creatures, and yeah. we we slip up a lot of times. We are not perfect when we um, take our take our pills or chart our cervical mucus secretions. I'm intentionally saying that to make Caroline win. <laughs> I'm I'm not making a face. I'm definitely not making a face. Get comfortable with your body, Caroline. That's fine. It's just the idea of mucus in any form, wherever it comes out of. <laughs> Indeed. Ewe. And I will say that in uh, the future, we are planning to do an episode on uh, withdrawal because there have been those studies that have come out in the past couple of years saying that uh, withdrawals may be just as effective as uh, birth control pills. So we need to take a, a look at that as well. Mm-hmm. Things to look forward to on stuff mom never told me. You? <laughs> <laughs> Was that a Freudian slip? <laughs> Ooh. So uh, send us your story. People who have uh, tried the rhythm method, if you've been successful or if you're listening to this while holding a baby, <laughs> um, write to us, momstuff at discovery.com or head on over to our Facebook page where you can start a conversation with other listeners. So before we get to our listener mail, I've got a quick word from our sponsor that brought you this episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it is Netflix.com. Right now, if you go to Netflix.com slash mom, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial and see what all of this internet TV watching and movie watching is all about, because Netflix has a ton of 
of movies, documentaries, and TV shows that you can stream instantly. So if you go again to netflix.com slash mom, you can sign up for that free 30-day trial. And listeners of Stuff Mom Never Told You might enjoy the documentary Paris is Burning, which we mentioned in our episode on drag queens. It's really fascinating. Check it out. Uh, titles are subject to availability, so don't wait. Go right now to netflix.com slash mom so you can sign up for your free 30-day trial and check out Paris is Burning. And now back to our letters. To kick things off, I've got one here from Audrey on pregnancy sex. This is very appropriate for our, for this episode. She writes, Hello, ladies. First off, I had to laugh, and that is in all caps, ha, ha, ha. Pardon me about your latest show topic. I am on my third pregnancy, and number one, I never had that weird pregnancy confidence that you discussed. It sounds bizarre. Number two, I never had a glow that intrigued my husband so much that I was irresistible. Uh, number three, I never had a second trimester surge in hormones that made me feel recklessly randy. <laughs> Mostly, the first trimester is terrible. The second trimester, you feel better. But I guess it depends on the woman if you really feel like having sex. And third trimester, usually the only reason to have sex is to induce labor. Something about the semen on the cervix stimulates labor. I'm sure other women may have had different experiences, and I'm certain it also depends if it's the first pregnancy or if you're taking care of toddlers and still getting up at night. Wow, yeah, I can uh, see how that might put a a crimp in things. My hubby sure uh, seems more interested in me, and my friend said her husband was really into her when she was pregnant. Something about being really proud of creating her new shape, and I would guess that it all depends on the woman's usual drive, too. She writes, uh, you'll get a kick out out of this, Caroline. I can't wait for you gals to re-listen to this show when you're expecting, whenever or if ever, that happens. So I would say based on the emails that we've received regarding pregnancy sex, the one thing that is consistently stood up of everything that we talked about is men being more attracted to pregnant women. That is the number one thing being confirmed. Interesting. Take it away, Caroline. Um, so speaking of like, you know, everything that we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, with the rhythm method and natural family planning, we have a letter from Ellen who actually was writing to request the preceding episode. Okay. And we just totally, like, knocked it out of the ballpark and got it before she even... Yeah, we're like, bam. You're welcome, Ellen. Episode for you, Ellen. So, she says, I am a Roman Catholic, and I have heard a lot about natural family planning. I try to be open-minded and non-judgmental, so I understand that this method of preventing or delaying pregnancy is not for everyone. My request is that you try to incorporate this method into your podcasts more, just so that your listeners are aware of it. Too often, people do not know it exists, or they don't think it'll work. I like this method because it enables the woman and her partner to get in touch with her body, or with their bodies, rather than just taking a magical pill or IUD that will keep a baby away. Also, maybe I'm biased, but I have read that natural family planning is more effective, and she has 99% in parentheses. Natural family planning doesn't have to just be for Catholics either. Many couples could benefit from it. It doesn't disrupt the natural hormonal rhythm of a woman, resulting in a real period each month, nor does it require the desensitization of a condom. So although the couple will have to limit their amount of sex, it will be better sex, and they will both get more enjoyment from it. 
What I would really like to stress to young adults today is that there is nothing wrong with our bodies. Periods are not gross. They are a natural and healthy process. Vaginas and cervixes are not disgusting. And yes, we should get in touch with ourselves and inspect down there. It's there anyway, and ignoring does you no good. And I totally, Ellen, yeah, I agree. Get down there, investigate, get to know your body, be happy with your body, etc. You be your own vaginal Sherlock Holmes. That's right. Wear a hat. Uh, so thanks, Ellen. And thanks to everyone who's written into momstuff at discovery.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Like us over there. Leave us a comment or tweet us at momstuffpodcast. And you can also head over to our Tumblr and follow us there. It's stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And if you would like to learn more about pregnancy and birth control, do we have so many articles for you at our website, it's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 